Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Today the title is The Blame Game. The Blame Game, 1 Kings 18, 16 to 19. Now, speaking of blame, I was watching an NBA game recently, and I was watching the game, and there was a, there's a great player on a struggling team. And, and, I, and I, everybody's like, why is this great, great player on this struggling team? Why is it happening? Well, after watching it, I know the reason why they're struggling. This player, one play, he received a routine pass. A guy five feet away just threw him a routine pass. And he went to catch it, and he fumbled it, and he dropped it out of bounds, which is no big deal. It happens. You know, we're all human. You make a mistake. You know, no, no big That wasn't the problem. But what he did was... After what he did after he lost that out of bounds was the big deal. He started yelling at the teammate who passed him the ball. Started screaming at him and you know doing this whole thing and embarrassing him in front of everybody. That's what he started to do. And I, I was like, and he kept showing the replay how easy the pass was. It was totally his fault, but he's blaming his his teammate. And as I watched the game, I saw him blame other teammates and blame referees. When he clearly fouled somebody, he would be complaining, blaming referees. And all the while, he was the biggest problem. Even though he's blaming everybody else, he was the biggest problem. And one sequence that got lots of airtime after the game and during and after the game was they showed him on defense. He they he he never moved. This one whole play where the other team hit a wide open shot, he never moved. He's standing there. All these younger, less well known players are running around trying to defend. It was five on four. He literally never moved. And the, the announcer's like. He never moved, you know, and, and it's hard to win in basketball in the NBA five on four. And and uh, after the game, this gets worse. After the game, he publicly blamed his teammates. It was unbelievable. He was blaming his teammates after the game. It was shocking. And and then everybody wonders why there's no team chemistry. There is no hope for that team, or for any time any team that guy plays on now, unless he changes. Because he's blaming everybody else. He's become, in his mind, you know, everybody else is a problem. But really, he's become the problem. This is a great player. I mean, you, a lot of you probably even know who I'm talking about. But a great player. But, but he's become, he has, he's become a, playing the blame game. It's very easy to fall into the blame game. To avoid responsibility. And when we do that, we end up hurting, our, we end up hurting ourselves and everybody around us which is what we're going to see here in 1 Kings 18. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for the awesome song, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. Lord, we thank you for bringing each one of us here. We're all here for a reason. This, the word that we're going to be looking at applies to every one of us. I know you're gonna, we're all going to feel like it's the, the arrows are pointing right at us because that's what your word does. That's what your Holy Spirit does. We just, pray that you're, we just pray for your mercy and grace now to take a step forward in our faith. Wherever we're at, whether we're just starting to seek, whether we've just become a Christian, whether we're far along the path, we just pray that we would take another step forward. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So... Let's read this passage. This is an interesting couple of verses here. First uh, Kings 18, starting with verse 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? 
We're going to have fun with this one. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. But you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet on Mount Carmel. Bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Woo. So we, we see here that the hunter becomes the hunted. Ahab is hunting for Elijah while all the while God is closing in on Ahab, right? And the life of Ahab, as we've been studying this and as we see this today, the life of Ahab is not a pretty picture. After three years of severe drought, killer drought, which he was told the reason it was coming, he was warned that, if you were here, you remember he warned, Elijah warned him there's going to be this drought because of idolatry. He's told the reason for it. You would think after experiencing three years of severe killer drought, you would think he would be ready to listen now. That he would be seeking for Elijah to say, what do I have to do? I want to repent. I want to turn back to God. What, my life is, is, is out of control. It's all dried up. You know, I'm literally starting. You know, it's horrible. You think he'd be searching to make things right with God. But no. He, just the opposite. He's hunting for Elijah because he wants to kill him. Just like they've already killed most of the other prophets they could find. Except the ones Obadiah was hiding in the cave. Remember last week? He, he's, he, he wants to kill Elijah. Ahab, the life of Elijah, this was a reality show. Ahab had a wicked father named Omri. Alright? Omri, and, uh, sadly, instead of re- turning away from his father's footsteps, he followed in his father's footsteps. Then he marries an even more wicked woman called Jezebel. The famous name Jezebel. She was a murderous demon worshiper. Demon worshiper. She worshiped Baal and Asherah. Uh, The the Bible teaches that the, the reason idolatry is so serious is when you worship an idol, you are actually worshiping a demon. The de- Satan and the demons want to be worshipped. They want to steal God's worship. So they, they, they manifest in some way or they move in some way and they get people to worship them. That's what they do. That's why idols are so serious. It's not just worshipping a rock. You're, people who worship an idol are actually worshipping a demon that has set himself up to be worshipped. says it very clearly in the Bible over and over again. The, the idols are but just demons. That's what they are. Fallen angels that want to steal the worship. They want to be like God, they want to be worshipped, but they end up destroying their followers, right? So she's a, a murderous demon worshipper. He gives himself and the nation over to idolatry, to Baal and, Ash, and, and Asherah worship, which if you've ever studied it, you know it's not just worshipping like, you know, you're worshipping demons, but a big part of their worship were sexual orgies. That's why it was so popular. That's why it was so popular coming in. You say, well, how could they do that? Why is pornography so popular? Right? Why is all the sexual garbage so popular? It's because it, it's, it's tempting, even though it destroys people, even though it destroys marriages, even though it destroys individuals, even though it destroys them spiritually, but it's tempting to the flesh. And, and in the end, it's very empty. If you study the lives of, you know, people, if you look at anybody who's gone through these kind of, uh, uh Severe addictions or, or porn actors and actresses. They're, they're destroyed. They're just, dis- it, it destroys them. It's demonic. It's demonic. Uh, in fact, well, I'll just tell you, uh, dealing with a lot of demonic stuff, sexual sin is very serious demonically. Uh, having prayed over people, and you know, some of my stories about the, the demonic, you know, freeing people from demonic possessions, demonization, 
Uh, pornography is one of the main open doors. One of the main open doors. It's, it's a severely demonic thing. Uh, I could tell you some scary stories that connect the dots. So just so you know, it's not just this, you know, innocent, innocuous thing. There's a reason why you see these crazy murderers out there, right? These mass murders, these guys murder all these women and stuff. And if you study those people's lives, every one of them, 100% of them had a, a demonic pornography addiction. Every one of them. So be very careful. I'm not saying if you look one time, I'm demon-possessed. No, but be very careful because we're playing with fire. And and this whole Baal-Asherah thing was sexual orgies, which is why everybody in Israel had turned to it. You know, that's that's what they were involved in. It was very, very serious. So God disciplines Ahab and the nation. He sends him the three years of killer famine to try to wake them up, bring them to their senses, bring them back to God, bring them back to godly marriages, back to the one true worship of, of the one true God. And how does Ahab respond? How does he respond? Verse 17. <laughs> he, is that you, you troubler of Israel? He blames Elijah. He blames Elijah. Who is he really blaming? Elijah, my God, is Jehovah. Right? He's blaming God. He's blaming God. That's who, who Elijah speaks for. And in the end, that's what people do. They blame when they're in a bad place and things are the wheels are coming off. Well, they say, why is God doing this to me? Right? Proverbs 19.3 says this. A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there. We've done things that went against God's word. We've ended up in a mess. And then we've caught ourselves saying, What's, why God, why are you doing this to me? We all, we fall. But when we get to this place, we, get, we all got to work out of it. But when we get locked in, this is a dangerous place to be. Dangerous. That's what Ahab is doing. A man's own folly ruins his life. And his heart rages against the, the Lord. We see the same today. When an unrepentant person or an unrepentant country is judged for their sin... Who do they blame? They blame God. Someone blames their wife. Someone blames their boss. Anyone and everyone else, right? We all know people like that. We've all been there, haven't we? But we also see people like that functioning that way. And they blame everybody but themselves. Often the pastor gets blamed. (laughs) Did you know that? Because whoever points out the obvious, remember Mr. Obvious, the commercial, whoever points out the obvious, the reason you're going through this suffering and trial is because you're going against God's word here. Connect the dots. Whenever I do that for people, oh, no, no. sometimes when I do that for people, many people turn back to God and respond. It's awesome. But sometimes when I do that to people, they blame me. Like, it's somehow it's my fault. <laughs> and, and, uh, that's, you know, and I always think, you know, that's like, Someone who smokes their whole life, they get lung cancer, they go to the doctor, their doctor says, you have lung cancer, and they get mad at the doctor for giving them the diagnosis, you know? That would be silly, right? But that's what people do spiritually. They get mad at, if you try to help them by saying, this is what's hurting you, you have to repent and turn away from it, and they turn on the person who's trying to help them, right? It's crazy, crazy, crazy. But we've all been there, right? That's why we're not judging, but we also don't want to see anybody stay there. Uh... It's a picture, though, what we see with Ahab here. It's a picture of so many today with hardened hearts. They reject God's word. We see it in our country, right? They reject God's word. They resist God's hand. 
his hand of discipline, then they end up being judged. They, dis- they resist God's hand. It's like talking to a rock. You ever feel like you're doing that? Someone who's destroying themselves, the sin is destroying them, you know, and yet when you're trying to help them, you feel like you're talking to a rock. Some of you might have kids like that, right? right? You know what I'm talking about? You feel like you're talking to a rock. And, and, but listen, that's what we all were like before Jesus Christ. We all were like that. That's where we all start out. Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2, verse 1, it says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Every one of us was the walking dead. We were the walking dead following Satan. That's what it says there. Every one of us were there. It's good news coming. Hang on. That's where we were, right? But this is also not just individuals, but it's a picture of the USA today, isn't it? It's a picture of our country today. We are suffering the effects of our sin. You can't, you just read, pull out the phone and read the news or why. It's, it's horrendous to see what's happening. Things that we didn't even think were possible, right? 20 years ago. Not even possible to see what's happening. But, but who do we blame? We, we know. What the, but who does the country blame? Blame the president. Blame climate change. Blame these intolerant, crazy Christians out there who are, who are, who are creating hate for, by saying, you know, what the Bible says. You know what I mean? That's who gets blamed. Anyone and everyone except for repenting. That's the one thing that it doesn't do. And that's what happened here. Ahab blames Elijah. Now, he blames Elijah. Is that you, you troubler? Elijah, you troubler of Israel. He attacks Elijah. Don't miss this. The mark of a true servant of God is that we are marked we are marked for hatred by the world. Not by everyone, but by the world, the world system and the people that follow the world system, who follow the, the prince of the air, the spirit who's now at work and those who are disobedient. We just read about it. The world follows Satan. We are marked for hatred. A true servant of God is, is marked by hatred. If everyone, listen to, me, listen to me, this is important. If everyone likes our message, if everyone likes our, loves our message, that's not a good sign. As a pastor, as Christians, if everyone likes what we're saying, if you could go out in the view and be accepted and hugged by all those, those crazy women, if you could do that, yeah, that's not a good sign. Not a good sign. In fact, in Luke 6.26, it says this. He says, Woe to you and all men speak well about you, well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Jesus warned. He said, if everybody talks well about you, that's not a good sign. And, and I see these, these TV preachers. See that big smile? You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, everybody loves them. Why? Because they don't preach a biblical message. They don't want to offend anybody. They leave stuff out. And you see churches like that. Everybody talks great about them, even in our area. Oh, that's a great church. Yeah, They leave stuff out. They leave stuff out. They don't want to upset anybody. That's called false teaching. Just the opposite should be true. If we truly preach the Word of God, if we truly share the Word of God, if we truly live out and believe and live out the Word of God, it's gonna, it has to create friction. 
And it's supposed to. It's supposed to create friction. I'm not talking about being obnoxious and nasty and mean. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying speaking the truth in love. It's better be done in love, but we got to speak the truth. We have to live out that truth in love. If, and it will create friction. It's supposed to. Think some of the most, some of the most solid Christians in our church at one time were pretty mad at me, you know, because I said something biblically. And then they become. A, then you, but God uses that that anger, that conviction. And they can't forget it. And they come back and we keep doing this sandpaper, keep doing that. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's working. And, and that's what happens. We should be not comfortable for people. We should be convicting our lives and our words. Speaking the truth in love should convict people. Very, very important. Very important. Um, and so, if, if we do that, Matthew 5.10 says this. Listen to what Jesus says. In Matthew 5.10... Matthew 5.10, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. John 15. In John 15, 18-19, it says this. John 15 says, if the world hates you, now it's not talking about everybody in the world. If everybody in the world hates us, including Christians, that's not a good thing. But the world system that follows Satan, the ones who are are, are anti-Christ, says this, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. Uh, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. They don't know the one who sent me. Who? Why? They don't know the one. They don't know Jesus and they don't know his father. He's saying this to us. That's, that's the reason they get upset is because we preach Jesus Christ as the only way to God. That is the only way. If anybody comes any other way, they're not getting to the God we know. It's not Jehovah God. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not popular in the USA today, is it? But it's Jesus' words and it's the truth of God's word. There is one way. But they, people, the world wants to do it their way, right? They want to do it their way. You know what the theme song in hell is? I did it my way. John fourteen twelve says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. It leads to death. There is only one way to avoid this eternal death that, that he's talking about, that Solomon's talking about there. Romans 6.23 says this. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's only one way to avoid that death, that eternity of spiritual death, separated from God. There's only one way to avoid that, and that's putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. But if you preach this, 
If you witness this, you will be hated by many in the world. But it's the truth. There is one way to get to God. The one true God can only be reached through Jesus Christ. Everybody else is is not following the one true God. If they go through any other idol or world religion or anything, they're not ending up where God is. Not the one true God. Elijah, if we, if we preach this, will be hated by many. Elijah was hated. Ahab blamed him for all his own self-created problems. He blamed, every, he blamed him for everything. Everything that happened to Eli, Ahab, he was blaming Elijah. But look what Elijah says. The words of Elijah, he says, verse 18... I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's command and have followed the Baals. Baals. Uh, notice that Baals is plural. There's many different gods worshipped as Baals. Many different demons worshipped as the Baals. Uh, you have it all wrong, Ahab. <laughs> you have it backward. It's all your fault. Your fault. You are the one who married this murderous witch. You are the one who's worshiping demons. Your sin is to blame. It's not, not because I, it's not me because I warned you. It's your sin that's doing it. Once again, it's like blaming the doctor for a diagnosis of something that we've created, right? Then Elijah issues Ahab a challenge. In verse 19, he issues him a challenge. He says, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. <laughs> oh, this is crazy. Now, first of all, he's, this is like a Western. Meet me at the OK Corral. Really, that's what he's doing. Mount Carmel, you know? And you say, why would Ahab come? Well, he said, bring your 850 prophet, false prophets. So it's going to be 850 and, 851 verses 1, right? That's probably why he showed up. He said, oh, yeah, I can handle 851 to 1, you know. Uh, it's Ahab and his 850 versus Elijah. That's probably why he agreed to it. He thought he had the numbers. But he forgot a very important one other one. He forgot Elijah plus God. And his other one is a big one. As we're going to see. Oh, wait, we're going to have fun with that one, right? So uh, Ahab, look what it says here. Ahab was feeding these guys. He was, remember, he was feeding his horses and mules. If you missed that one, you missed a great one, right? Yeah, go back and listen to that one. He's feeding the horses and mules. But now is he feeding the horses and mules. He's feeding these false prophets while his people are starving to death. They were literally dying. Remember the widow and her son, Elijah helped out, dying of starvation all over. And he's feeding these, these, these false prophets. The, this is what's crazy. The very people who were destroying the country were these 850 prophets. The very people who were spreading the false teaching and were bringing God's judgment down and were worshiping demons and leading this whole charge, the very people he was feeding them. And they were the cause of the drought. He's feeding them. That's, I'm trying to think, what was this like? The only thing I could think of is it's like feeding a drug habit. A lot of us have struggled with drugs. You know what I'm talking about. We, it's like feeding a drug habit. The, someone who's feeding the drug habit, it's self-destructive. 
It's killing them. It's hurting everybody around them. And yet they feed it and neglect their family. Or they feed it and neglect the people all around them. They they neglect their loved ones. They they neglect the relationships. They feed that drug habit at, at the expense of everything else. That's what Ahab was doing. And so here Ahab is at his pig's trough. I call it pig's trough because they all show up to eat at his, his trough there. And, and it's really a picture of a sin stronghold is what this is a picture of. It's, dam- it's when we are damaging our life and damaging the loved ones around us, but we keep feeding it. I'm using drugs because it's an easy example, but you can connect the dots to anything, can't we? Anything, any sin. Anything that God says, stay away from because it's going to hurt us. It's, it's, a, it's a picture of a sin stronghold that we are damaging our life, but we keep feeding it. I, I saved a couple articles. I remembered I pulled them out for, uh, when I was looking at this. One was, and these are visual pictures of what I'm talking about. There was a, a woman who had a pet python in, in North Carolina. Uh, she had a 12-foot pet python, and she was feeding it gerbils one day. And then all of a sudden she was calling 911 because it grabbed her by the hand and started moving up her arm, swallowing her arm. She calls 911 and they get there and guess what she said? The first thing she said to them as they were trying to get this snake's teeth that are inverted, you know, I'm talking, couldn't get it, it was not easy, get them off. But what do you think she said? Don't kill my snake. Yes, you knew, you saw, you, were, you heard this, right? Don't kill my snake. That's all she was worried about. Chewing her arm off, and she's just worried about the snake. Another guy, this is Australia, because I, I love this story too. Uh, this guy, uh, the title is, he, I'm just going to read it. He lost an arm but kept a friend. A 71-year-old Australian retiree whose pet crocodile bit off his arm was reunited with Charlene and said he'd keep her at his other's arm's length. The wildlife officers wanted to shoot the reptile as it's chewing his arm off, and it did chew his arm off. But he said, no, 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 don't kill it, don't kill it. It was all my fault. I asked her if she wanted a fish, but I put my hand in the bucket, and I didn't have any more fish. I didn't realize it, so when I pulled my hand out, she expected a fish. So she grabbed my arm, you know, and all she could think about was the fish. Uh, so she bit it. Uh, he goes, but I must admit, I, now that he got her back and everything and got his arm, well, anyway. Uh, I, he says, I must admit, I do keep her at arm's length now, he said. Uh, the other arm's length, obviously. Uh, he said, but I do get in the pen with her and give her a, a bit of a scratch now and then. It sounds crazy, right? This is, this is, you, you can't make this stuff up. But the point is, that's what Ahab was doing. And that's the point is that that's what so many of us do the same thing, don't we? We keep that pet snake. We keep that pet alligator. We give it a bit of a scratch whenever we want to. You know, we hang on to it. We, dis, we disregard what God says in his worm, word. We disregard what he says in his word. The, the question is, are we ready to surrender it? Are we ready to give up that snake, that alligator, the, these false prophets? Are we ready to kill it this communion Sunday? Whatever it is takes whatever it takes to get our life back in line with god's word are we ready to do that how is god speaking to us as we get ready for this communion time here how is he speaking to us how is the holy spirit convicting us (laughs) i can think of lots of snakes and alligators right now how is he preparing us for communion i mean when i say that in my life i can think of lots of snakes in my life how is he preparing us for communion what are we feeding 
Ahab was feeding these false prophets that were destroying him in the country. And they ultimately do destroy him. Wait till we get to that part. What are we feeding? What lust are we feeding? What gluttony are we feeding? What gossip are we feeding? What addictive sin are we feeding? Addictive sin. So many people talk about addictions today. Uh, you know, and oh, it's like a, it's a disease that we get. You know, this addiction to my... I'll use drugs. Addiction to drugs. The Bible... I'll use alcohol because the Bible uses that specifically. Same thing, uh, drunk, alcohol, drugs. But, but the Bible in Hebrews 12 says, he calls it, bes- uh, in the King James Version, it says besetting sins. It doesn't say addictions. It says besetting sins. It's saying be- addictive sins is what it's calling. You see, uh, it's not a disease. When we sin and we end up with a stronghold in our life, an addiction in our life that's a sinful addiction, it's not a disease. A disease is something you catch. If one of you has a cold and then I, you know, shake your hand or give you a hug and I catch the cold, I caught that. I did. That's not something I did. You know, I just caught that. But, but addict, addiction is not something you just catch. You are, could be prone to it. You could be vulnerable to it. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're all vulnerable. That's why the Bible says stay away from drugs. You know, you know, stay away from anything that causes addiction. Right? We could be prone to it for sure. But we're in, the addiction comes because of sinful behavior. Sinful behavior. It, and, and so often we have this victim mentality. And the, the result is we don't help people. Because unless they take responsibility for their addiction, for what caused the addiction, it's just going to keep on going and going and going. Right? I have an article here that I just thought really laid this out really well uh, from years ago. It says, um, Addiction as Besetting Sins by Franklin Payne. It was in the Journal of Biblical Ethics. Listen to this. It says, The, adult, the alcoholic and the drug addict are often portrayed as victims arousing our compassion and motivating us to provide more and more programs for them. However, the primary problem with addiction is moral and spiritual, not medical. Now, I didn't say there's no medical because once you do these things, once you use drugs, you get brain damage. And now you really got a problem on your hands. But you still have to take responsibility and understand the core of it. It says, while substance addiction involves a physical dependency, yes, it does, Once you open the door, it does. The Bible itself in several passages labels drunkenness as a sin and one that can be conquered. That's what some of you were. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, remember? Drunkards. That's what some of you were. You can conquer it. A better definition of addiction would be, now get this, a repetitive, pleasure-seeking behavior that is habitual in spite of moral or physical reasons that should rationally preclude its practice and displaces spiritual obligations. It's something that, I'm going to put it in my own words here, uh, a repetitive pleasure-seeking behavior that becomes so habitual that even though it's hurting us physically and spiritually, we keep on doing it. That's what it's saying. And, and, And the reason I mention it is because today, everywhere you go, it's a disease, it's a disease, it's a disease. You know, it's nothing you can do. It's nothing. Listen, that is a lie. That doesn't change our compassion. You know we help people all the time. 
A lot of us are in AA here. A lot of people here are in AA. A lot of people are in NA. It doesn't change, but, it, but if you are here and you're struggling with a stronghold, the first thing is not to say, oh, I'm a victim. No, no. you have to take responsibility for it. Very, very important. It, it, our, our, our sinful disobedience damages us. We have to understand it's a sin. Our sinful disobedience damages us. It gives us brain damage. Physically and spiritually and emotionally, it gives us brain damage. If you have, I'll use drugs because it's just easy. It could be anything but, but drugs. If you've used a lot of drugs, you have brain damage. It's hard now. It's going to be really, really hard. I get that. It's going to be hard. But it's brain damage and depression. In fact, an old article I saw from long ago, like 20 years ago, it was talking about ecstasy and how ecstasy was really popular. Some of you might remember ecstasy. Some of you remember it really well. You know what I'm talking about. The, 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 the ecstasy... Uh, it, what they found is it was causing brain damage and depression. Brain damage and depression. Now we don't talk that way anymore, but that's what drugs do now. That's what the heroin, that's what everything does now. It's, it's brain damage and depression. Marijuana does the same. You don't know it because the media won't write it. But they know that marijuana does the same. It causes depression and, and, uh, and brain damage. We know it's a, a, a fact of science, but the media won't report on it. Why? Because most people in the media smoke it. I'm not kidding. Most of them want to legalize it. So they would never say anything that would worry a parent, you know, or tell the truth about it. Unfortunately, the vast majority of them are wanted to be legalized. That's a fact. Right. So that but but it does the same thing. But what it does when we use let's say we smoke marijuana, it leaves us vulnerable. It makes us vulnerable. That's what all sin does. I'm just using an easy one. But all sin makes us vulnerable. And that's why the first step is repentance. The first step to healing is repentance. It's surrender. It's perseverance. Those are the keys. Repentance and perseverance are the keys to battle it. Not, you know, going to one of these rehabs where they wash your hair and do your nails. And, you know, that's not the, the rehabs today, these 30-day things that, that are without faith, the, the success rate of, a, of is, uh, is about like 15%. I'll throw out, I've seen different, 7 to 17%. The success rate of these, these rehabs are 7 to 17%. That's the success rate. Throwing away how much money for a lie. But the faith-based rehabs, the teen challenges, and the Walter Hovings, and the, all the ones that we, we send many, a lot of you have been there. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you've, you've gone through it. Th- those have a, like a 70 to 80% success rate. That's the difference because it takes repentance and perseverance and the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit's power. But it takes repentance. It's not a disease. You can't look at it as a disease. You can look at it as damage for sure. We're all damaged by sin, aren't we? And if you use drugs, you know how damaged you are. You can say damaged, but not the disease part. It's no victim. We have to take responsibility and daily fight that battle by the Holy Spirit's power and by perseverance. So many of us, suffer the effect of sin but often when we do we blame someone else or something else right i'm bipolar who isn't you know who isn't you know i'm bipolar and this is my problem it's a free pass i some people have a serious bipolar problem i'm not making fun of them some have a serious bipolar problem and 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 i you know some people said i do but anyway we won't go there but 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 it's used as a free pass now to not take responsibility. 
even if we're truly bipolar, if someone's truly bipolar, and there are some people truly bipolar, and if you are, you know how hard it is. It's a tough battle. But, but we're still responsible. It doesn't matter. We're still responsible before God. We can't just go to use drugs and say, oh, I'm bipolar. And, and the vast majority of the bipolar, uh, people with bipolar that I've dealt with, they got their bipolar from their drugs. They weren't bipolar before they used drugs. They, if you use drugs on a regular basis, you're going to be bipolar. Guaranteed it. You're going to have brain damage. That's why it freaks me out. They want to legalize marijuana and all this other garbage. I know the damage it's going to cause. And, and I'm not saying this to be not compassionate. You know I help people all the time with anything like this. You know what I've been through. But the point is we're still responsible. We blame something or someone. We blame our spouse. I see a lot of guys blame themselves. My wife isn't meeting my needs. I'm like, you look at so much pornography, no one can meet your needs. You become a monster. You know how many people, men I've said that to? We blame the pastor. We blame God. We, anyone but the real reason, which is usually our own behavior. And we refuse to, now this is the key, this is where I'm going with all this. We refuse to surrender what is hurting us and other people. Ahab would not let go of these 850 false prophets. He wouldn't let go of his demon gods. He wouldn't let go of his wicked witch wife. He wouldn't let go of any of them. And, and so often we refuse to surrender what is hurting us and hurting other people. We refuse to do that. And then I'll use a pretty extreme example. When someone is, uh, has a demonic problem... You know, I've told lots of stories here. When someone is, the Greek word for demon-possessed, it's not, demon-possessed is not in the Bible. The word in Greek is demonized. And the idea is if you're demonized, there's percentages. It's 1% to 100%. Uh, and, and we can all be affected by demonic. You know, the Bible talks about giving the devil a foothold. That foothold can become a stronghold. Then we can be fully controlled. And, and so often the picture in the Bible when you see Jesus casting out the demons of someone who's fully controlled. And, and demonization usually happens, something severe happens to us and we open the door or we do something, sin, pornography, drugs, whatever. Drugs is a big demonic doorway, let me tell you. All right? In fact, drugs were used to worship the demons in the Old Testament. They used the pharmaceutical. They would use that to worship them. But it's a huge open door to the demonic. Uh-huh. We all know, those of us know, we know, right? But, we, but when, I, when I, you deal with demonized people, they often want to get rid of the effect of the demonization, but not the root cause. They don't like the effect of it. They don't like how miserable they are. They don't like how depressed they are. They don't like how desperate they become. They don't like how self-destructive. They don't like that. But they don't want to let go of the root of what is causing the demonization. In fact, I've experienced it, but I, I just I had a friend who was a uh, youth pastor, and the pastor, I remember he would tell me this story because this is a great ex- illustration of this. The youth pastor, it, it, the pastor said, I want you to come, we've got to pray over this woman in the church. She's demonized uh, pretty badly. They get to the house, it, it, it was ugly. He said, they're praying for hours, two hours, praying for this woman, trying to cast. The demons would not leave. Couldn't get them out. They couldn't figure out why, because in the name of Jesus, they had the Bible, they're supposed to go, Right? She claimed that she had become a Christian. They wanted to go. But then they, they finally the demon said to my friend said, it's unbelievable. The demon said, they said, we don't have to go. They said, well, yes, you do in the name of Jesus. No, no, she's keeping us here. 
What? Yeah, her behavior, X, Y, and Z, is allowing us to stay. We don't have to go. She's holding on to us. So there's nothing you can do. They said, that's not true. They said, you can talk to her. They went, they let her go, started talking to the woman. The woman came back to herself, and they said, uh, by any chance, are you involved in X, Y, and Z? She said, oh, yeah, I am. Why are you wasting our time here? You know, you're, you're so angry, wasting our time here. You, you want, do you want to be free or not? Do we want to be free this morning? Are we ready to live free? What do we want more? Do we want that sin? Do we want that demonic doorway, really? Do we want the, 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 the self-destructive behavior? Or do we want intimacy with God? Do we want communion with Jesus? That's what this is all about, communion. Do, what do you want? What do, that's really the question. I have to ask myself that all the time. When I'm tempted, what do I want more right now? Do I want this? Or do I want close? Do I want to be close to, to Jesus today? I've got to pick. Really, that's what it all comes down to, doesn't it? That's what it comes down to. Ephesians 2, I read it earlier. Ephesians 2 said what we were. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of Wrath. That's what every one of us were like one day. We all were there. You may have walked in like that. I hope, I would love to see many, many people walk in like that and walk out different. You know, because that's what we're here for, to help us walk out different. No matter what you carried in, you can walk out free in Jesus Christ. Look at the next verse. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions and sins, it is by grace you have been saved. No matter what you walked in with, no matter what sin, what shame, what stronghold, whatever you walked in, you can walk out free today because of God's love through His Son, Jesus Christ, through His mercy and grace. Anyone, if, you, if we are willing to repent to surrender and say, God, whatever it takes, this is key, whatever it takes. If it means I have to give up anything, I'll give it up. If I give up anyone, I'll give it up. If I have to talk to anybody, talk to me, talk to a Christian counselor, talk to someone, you can talk to me, I'll connect you with anybody. You know, whatever your struggle is, I can connect you with someone. Trust me, we've all been through it, something. And, and, but whatever it takes. But the first step, as, that's for us as Christians, but the first step is we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, a couple of verses further on, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. There's nothing we can do to make our life right again. There's nothing we can do to make things right with God again. It's all been done by Jesus Christ. It's a gift that you can hold out your hand as a beggar and say, Jesus, I'll take it. I give up the sin and I take you. It's faith. Before we can be free, we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ.
And you can do that today. You can do it right now while we're talking. You can just pray the prayer of faith. And, that, and, and communion, what we do with communion, communion represents the body of Jesus. The, the, the bread is the body of Jesus. And the cup represents the blood of Jesus. That he, When he died on that cross, he paid for our sin. He broke the power of sin. He made it possible for us to live free, free of the world, free of sin, free of, of Satan's hold on us. And to start the, the battle, to, the, the achieving our freedom, because we know we, we're, we're depending on God to do this. That's what the, the, the bread and the, and the cup represents. How we take it, we just have some music playing. I believe uh, we're going to have a special song. And then uh, I'm going to do a prayer. Then we have a special song. You can just come up and take it any time. Uh, you can take it back to your seat. You can take it alone. You can take it with someone, your family, whoever. It's between you and God. But there's two reasons why we shouldn't take it. Number one, if we're not a Christian yet, we're not ready to become one yet, that's okay. Some people come here for years before they take that step. It's okay, but you have to make sure you've really put your faith in Jesus and given your life to him. The second thing is that there's some sin in our life, something in our life that God is convicting us of and we need to repent of, and we're not willing to do that, wait. If you say, no, you can have everything except this, then wait, because the Bible says don't take the Lord's cup in an unworthy way but you can put your faith in jesus today anybody can do that you can surrender something to god today doesn't mean you have to be perfect oh no 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 ah but it has to be you have to say god i uh, i am willing i am willing i'm repenting i'm asking you to forgive me i want to commune and I'm going to make this right. Whatever you, whatever you tell me, I'm going to make it right. Let's pray. As we prepare for this communion, the first step to freedom is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever taken that step? You can do it right now. The Holy Spirit is calling you and pulling on your heart right now. You can do it right now. Right where you are. A simple prayer of faith. God, I repent of everything in my life that goes against your word. I ask you to forgive me. I believe Jesus died on that cross for me. He took my sin. I believe that. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing has happened. You are going to be in for the shock of your life because you are now free, free of sin, free of the world, free of Satan's power. You are free. You're free to to battle spiritually now. I want to encourage you to take communion and to tell somebody you've taken that step. 
Before this day is up, let somebody know. Maybe somebody here, friend, family, let me know. Tell somebody because we're going to be so excited for you and help you grow in your new faith. For the rest of us who have put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? As we consider communion this morning, as we're praying about communion, what would we trade? What would we exchange intimacy and communion with God for? Is any sin worth that? Any snake, any alligator, any false prophet. Are we ready to repent? Say, God, I know this is in my life is wrong. I'm going to repent today. I'm going to make this right. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, whatever action I have to take, whatever, whoever I have to talk to, whatever it takes. I want to be close to you, God. More than anything else, I want to be close to you. Father, that's our prayer today. As we go into this communion time, we pray you would just move in a a powerful way now through your spirit in Jesus' name.